change is the only constant in every aspect of our lives. Be it how we work, how we live, how we learn. It forces us to make the right decisions without the choice of looking back at history and conventions to know what's right. I am Vikram Baskaran, and this is Charge B's Champions of Change podcast, where we talk to changemakers who walk before us, build businesses on first principles, and unearth their tips and tricks to identify change and turn that into opportunity. Remember, you're just one decision away from being a change maker. Hello, everybody. So far in this podcast, we've had quite an interesting spread of change makers from across fields and disciplines. We've had speakers from interesting organizations. We've had interesting speakers. But today we have someone from an organization that's making something that most of us would consider kind of boring, but it's making that really fun and interesting. Today we have with us Clementine Spartz, the head of finance at Spendesk, the hottest tech unicorn that makes corporate spend management easy, pretty, and fun. Over the initial days of the pandemic, uh, Spendesk uh, ensured that they showed consistent year-on-year growth, joining the Unicorn Club in mid-2021. Now, it's hard enough for a finance head to manage all the due diligence for one round, but Clementine couldn't really sit back and kick up her heels because in January this year, the team raised an extension to its last round with an additional 100 million euros. So today, it's awesome for me to welcome Clementine Swartz, the person in the midst of all of this, to our show. Welcome to the Champions of Change podcast, uh, Clementine. We'd be talking to her about uh, welcome to the Champions of Change podcast, Clementine. Thank you very much. And I'm happy to, to be here today with you. I want to start by congratulating you on joining the Unicorn Club. You've been with Spendesk for almost uh, three years now, and you've watched the company go through some crazy explosive growth. And, uh, you know, outside in three years seems like a pretty normal time frame. But I know from my personal experience that when you're riding the rocket ship, it's a pretty crazy experience. There are like so many things changing. Can you talk to us a little bit about your journey and your optics from inside out of what's happened at Spendesk over these last three years? Yes, yes, yes. Definitely. It's been really a, an intense and a exciting journey for, for me and for the whole company, actually. So you mentioned that. So I, I joined Spendesk back in September uh, 2019. At that time, Spendesk was a bit less than 100 employees. Today, we are more than uh, 350. Uh, we're like uh, presenting in Europe, mainly, but also in the US. And we have subsidiaries in, in France, in Germany, and in, in, in the UK. And uh, you might have read it, but we are a spend management software, a SaaS company, and we are offering our services to more than 3,000 companies. So yeah, it's been a, it's been a nice journey. And um, pretty recently, we had two, two fundraising, and I was happy to be a part of it. And as a total, we, we have raised more than $300 million since uh, Spendesk was, was created. So yeah, that's um, really uh, nice and interesting for me to have seen uh, the company grow that much and, uh, and that fast. And just looking at the finance team as well, when I joined, I joined the company, it was only a two-people team, including myself. And now by the end of the year, will be more than 10. So still a limited uh, finance team, actually. But yeah, it's really nice to see the team grow uh, as long as, as Pendes. And uh, there is actually a lot more to come. So stay tuned. We want to become uh, the one and only leader in spend management. So to give you a bit of a teasing, we plan to be more than 650 by the end of the year. So yeah, I'm uh, very excited to be to be part of, uh, of the adventure. Excellent. And we're excited as well because... Over the last few years, despite the pandemic, despite so many global changes, Spendesk has 
continue to double its revenue. And like you said, its employee count year on year. And you guys are still expanding at an incredible pace. So specifically for you as the head of finance, like you mentioned that you've moved from a two-member team to a 10-member team now. How do you balance this quest for fast-paced growth and all of these grow, grow, grow versus at the other end, you know, as a spend management company, I'm sure that a big part of your focus is also on keeping a very close eye on your costs and your spends. So how do you keep a fair balance between growth and costs? Yeah, so, so definitely this is a really a good question that is not, uh, not just applicable for us Spendesk, but for, for every company that is actually growing and growing fast. So as I mentioned, Spendesk is a SaaS company. Our business model implies that we need to go fast. We need to go fast to capture market shares before our competitors, because actually we do have some worker markets. And to do so, you need to invest. You need to invest a lot, not only in sales and marketing, but for sure this is one of our main significant expense. But you also need to have investments in your product, in product team, in your engineering team, and as well to have support function available, like your people team, your recruitment team, and, and finance for sure. So... It means that you're okay not to be profitable at first. That's why you need money to invest. So you are making these uh, funding rounds uh, in order to, to support your growth. But again, being not being profitable is not a bad thing. You just need to prove that your business model is validated and is strong and robust. So that's definitely the case of Spendesk. We have proven to be robust in terms of metrics and SaaS metrics. So you might know some of the KPIs that SaaS companies are looking at, but definitely we are finance team very, uh, we are looking regularly on metrics like the CAC, who would represent the cost to acquire a customer. We are looking at the LTV, which is the lifetime value of our customer. Some ratio very specific to the industry like LTV over CAC, the CAC payback, the cash burn, meaning the amount of money we are cashing out on a monthly, on a quarterly, on a or yearly basis. So for sure, we are looking at all of these KPIs and we are monitoring them and for sure on cost as well. So again, we are okay to have uh, some metrics that are not comparable to profitable companies, but it's thanks to the, to the robustness of metrics. And we know that if we stop investing, we stop hiring people, we stop investing in our product, we definitely would be, uh, would be profitable. So we just, it's kind of difficult sometimes for finance tip to switch from a cost cut uh, mentality to just a monitoring of KPI and be sure that those KPI and those metrics are, are improving over time. So yes, we are monitoring closely and we are going in the right direction for all of the KPIs that I just listed. I love that answer because a lot of times organizations confuse profitability for unit economics. And of course, in a high growth funded SaaS environment, a lot of things are going to be front loaded. Your costs are going to, your CAC probably like overall, if you look at your marketing spends, it's going to be crazy. You're going to have to hire people. You're going to have to invest in R&D, but at an individual product level, then that's where metrics like LTV to CAC and payback periods and stuff like that start getting interesting because you're like, sure, we're investing in the future, but right now at an individual sale point of view, we're unit profitable. So Exactly. We have a lot of data actually to compare ourselves to other SaaS, uh, SaaS industries. So we know 
if we uh, raise of our competitors of other other SaaS company where we need to improve in which kind of metrics we need to invest and to understand why we are, we are lagging behind so so it's nice to also be in this kind of atmosphere or I'm not sure which would be the best word to say but yeah we can definitely compare ourselves because we have so much data available on the, on the market so it's nice to be able to know where we can actually go and to be the best in class actually in all of those metrics brilliant Of course, you recently raised 100 million euros and then had an extension of 100 million. And as the finance controller, what's the strategic role that a finance controller would have to play in a fundraising role like this? And what are your learnings that have helped orchestrate these massive fundraisers in your organization? Any finance team would be strongly involved in any fundraising. And very often from the very beginning of the fundraising, meaning the preliminary discussions that the CA, the CEO can also have with the fund, but it would be maybe the CFO, the head of finance. And then afterwards, definitely the, the whole finance team, meaning the accounting and the controller are deeply involved in the, in the discussion with the fund. And ahead of that, they need to be prepared. And to do so, really, the controller or the FP&A manager is working on a lot of topics to be able to be as much efficient in, in the process. So he would be involved in the building and the, of the data deck or what we sometimes call also a data pack, meaning it's an Excel or it's a Google sheet with all of the needed information that we want to give to our potential investors. So it can be for sure financial statements, so a PNL, a balance sheet, a cash flow. It can be the, the detail of the cost incurred by the company, a detail of the revenue by country, by product or by, by segment, whatever are the, actually the metrics followed by the industry can be a focus on the dedicated KPIs. So I'm not going to list again those that us on our side are, are monitoring, but it really depends on the industries you're actually working in. It can be a detail of, the, of your FT, so your employees by department. So all of this data is monitored on a monthly basis by the controller. So you would just need to have all of this data available ready with the definition actually in front of the KPI you're tracking because you want the investor and the fund and the advisor to be able to understand your data without asking additional questions to you. For sure, there would be definitely. That's when we enter the due diligence processes. But you need to be prepared and anticipate all of that so that you're saving actually your time as a finance team, the time of your team, and also uh, the time of the advisor and the funds that are going to look at your, at your figures. So definitely a data deck or a data pack. For sure as well, a work would have been done, but quite in advance on the business plan. So meaning, okay, I can look up my historical performance, but I also need to present to my investor where I want to land in terms of financials. So meaning you will be working with all of the departments for sure to anticipate your revenue, but also your costs, the needed investment you would have to make over a three or a three to five year period. And you will present that to your investor with the dedicated KPIs you're, you're tracking. So definition, data deck and business plan are the main item a financial controller would work on. And then another topic that needs to be emphasized also is a documentation of all of that, of the processes, of the information. What are the tools in place? How are they articulated to one another? How are we working with the other departments? Because we need to reassure the investors that the control and the process that we have in place are good and good enough and that would be able to scale as well with the company. So those are, I would say, the main item a financial controller would be involved when a fundraiser is happening. 
it's interesting that a few years ago, it would have, the answer to this question would have probably just centered around compliance and uh, meeting accounting standards. But now it's also a lot about projecting and basically taking a larger role in the wider growth focus and growth play and being able to understand the organization, understand the trajectory of the opportunity ahead. And of course, for you, it's doubly important because you're a finance software yourself. How do you see this kind of a mindset translating across other aspiring finance leaders to shift from a compliance and accounting focus to this new wider organization level strategic focus as a finance leader? I think all of the finance team is actually asking that, all asking that, that question. What is expecting from a finance team would evolve as long as the company is growing. It will depend first on the expectation of the founders and then financial experience as well, if they can assume some of the, um, the financial knowledge and, uh, and reporting they, uh, we need to provide as a finance team. But it would also depend on the leadership team and the other department and what they need from us as finance team. But it always starts with the basic. You mentioned some of the keywords, you mentioned some compliance, some accounting. Yes, this is a basic without it. Finance cannot do actually any other strategic or partnering. We need to make sure that the accounting is reliable. We are covering all of the tax and the regulatory, the regulatory needs. But then you need to be able to switch from this regulatory needs to basic reporting and then to even more comprehensive and thorough analysis, what sometimes we call the trusted reporting, and then to some financial analysis, financial planning, and then what we call also business partnering. As of today, with the team we have at Spendes, we are definitely at this stage when we want to invest even more into this uh, business partnering. What I mean by business partnering is being able to understand and anticipate the needs of the rest of the company. We want to switch from a reactive mode to a proactive mode to be able to drive the performance of the business and of any, actually, any department within the company. And yes, so that's basically what we're currently doing and we need time to do so. So it's not always easy, but uh, yeah, we need to invest in our own uh, team. So that's why we are recruiting currently and especially within the FP&A team to be able to have this role in the future. So this is a really a key topic that we are currently tackling. So I just want to shift gears at this point and go into another subject. I vaguely remember like many, many, many years ago, this time when my grandfather would sit down and have these bulky ledger books and go down row by row, tallying every expense in my dad's business. And we've come a long way from there as a finance function. There's a lot of like today, there's, there's a lot of technology, a lot of automation, best practices out there that, you know, your modern finance team should be leveraging. So how can finance function break free from some of these mundane, time-consuming, old-school tasks and focus on the bigger picture? I mentioned just in your, in your previous question that finance needs time. It's time to invest and to be a business partner for the other uh, departments. And how we are able to do so is by exactly spending less time on certain tasks that are very time-consuming, that are very manual. And to do so, we need technology and uh, we need automation. I read a, a study where you would hear that almost 80% of finance functions want to digitalize. And especially on three topics, the reporting and the tools, the business intelligence tools, the purchase to pay dematerialization, and the time spent on closing processes. So currently, we are 
very lucky actually because uh, the industry is developing and there are some tools that would uh, enable to save the time of the teams, either the accounting and the, uh, the FP&A. So for sure, I'm going to speak a bit about Spendesk because Spendesk is a spend management tool and it definitely helps the accounting team in their closing processes. We know that we estimate that Spendesk helps the team to save more than three days at, for every closing, so meaning every month, thanks to the receipts that we are capturing within the tool, thanks to some automation and mapping, thanks to the OCR we are offering to our clients. So Spendesk is just one of the tools, but of course there are so many. So uh, Spendesk is mainly used by the accounting team and by the employees when they want to spend. But there are some other tools like reporting tools that can also help the finance team de deliver additional value to the company. So again, speaking about Spendesk and what, what we do today. So we used to have Excel or Google Sheets for every reporting we were doing. We decided to switch that because we were facing too many limits and, and limitations in terms of, of volume of data, in terms of confidentiality. And we took a new reporting tool that is called Pigment and actually make us do whatever actually we couldn't do on spreadsheets. So it is a very collaborative tool. Uh, we are using it in terms of revenue forecast, in terms of hiring plan following, in terms of tracking and monitoring of the performance and the, and the capacity bridge we could have. So again, we are lucky enough to be in a period where, and this also is, a, is thanks to COVID, but COVID enabled us to switch uh, of mentality and to, to bring even, even more digitalization. So yeah, I think those, uh, the, we are lucky enough to be in, in, in that period and to have some tools that, uh, that would save the time of the finance team and make them enables them to have this new partnering role. I think we've spoken about metrics and BI and dashboards in a bunch of different places. The controller is now being involved in bigger decisions. There's questions of their time investments, their thoughts, their focus, their role in strategy planning. And when you're scaling really fast, certain, you know, assessing critical metrics of the business and what works and what's not working on an almost real-time basis becomes critical. So personally, how do you ensure that you have full visibility into all of these core metrics and you're able to make the right decisions well ahead of time? It's not something easy, but uh, definitely first, one of the role of the controller is to understand the business model he's living with. So what is the current business model of the company? What are the main important metrics we need to be monitoring carefully? At which frequency? Who has a stakeholder in place? And so on. So this would be first first step to, to be made by the controller. Then when it's clear enough and when, when the roadmap is clear on what he needs to achieve, he needs to get access to data because again, finance is all about data. So to do so, he needs to make sure that there are enough automation within the company, that there is some data integration that is safe, sufficient enough to have access to the raw data. So coming maybe from business intelligence tool, from accounting, from uh, HR tools and Again, the idea is not to have access to, to the data one month or two months later. This is always possible, but the idea is to have it now or at least regular, regularly. So tool, again, is very important and needs to be think in advance, thought in advance. And that's why I mentioned uh, Pigma as a reporting tool. We have a Looker as a business intelligence tool. And we need to be sure that all of those tools are properly integrated to one another so that there is less and less uh, manual correction or mistakes. Then I would also say that to be able to have this full visibility into the metrics that you mentioned, you need to have collaboration 
and strong processes with all of the department. Finance is key. Uh, it is interacting with all of the departments within a company. So it needs to have regular interaction. So may maybe with the revenue team, with the people team, with the recruitment team, to be able to understand their needs, their metrics, and how we can work uh, properly together. And one last item I would like to mention is that you or people often think about finance team as people looking into the past. But this is true. We, you, you need to look into the, the past. You, you need to close your book. But one of the key items to be able to be a strong business partner is also to, to be able to look at the future, to anticipate. So that's why a financial controller needs to work on budgets and to put in place strong forecast processes. And that will actually enable the financial controller and the, and the finance as a whole to have a long-term visibility, to anticipate the needs which can be of uh, capacity gaps, performance uh, ratio, cash needs, and this is thanks to the forecast process is going to build uh, that you will be able to have good decisions and proactive ones. Thank you. And uh, Clementine, we're almost coming to the close of our session today, but I have one more question that I've been dying to ask you. A big chunk of what we discussed today, now this isn't something that they typically teach you in finance controller school, do they? Most of this is stuff that you've, you've had to learn on the streets, basically. So what's a good place? Like, how would you advise someone that's moving into SaaS and tech finance to learn these ropes? Yeah, it's not an easy question. You learn, you learn at school, but you learn very theoretical stuff. And definitely the job I'm currently doing, I've learning right now. So I had a, a strong, uh, a strong formation, a strong uh, background because I stayed five years in a big four company uh, in the transaction uh, services department. So you learn the basic, you learn uh, financial analysis, you learn how to work, you learn uh, to take a step back, to have a full picture, to understand easily business model, but definitely you do not learn how to collaborate with people, how to collaborate with the other departments, which tool you need to take to better perform in your role. So that you learn by doing, I would say, and you also learn by speaking to others. So I have in my friends and in my network, so many CFO, head of finance, financial controller, and we always speak to one another to understand our strengths, within our company, what we could improve, how we could improve. So yeah, I would uh, definitely emphasize on the, on the network park. Uh, this is one of the reasons I'm speaking with you today. It's to be able to share my knowledge and to learn from others. So I, I would say that definitely network and uh, would um, enable me to improve my skills. That's brilliant. And I loved every part of our conversation today, uh, Clement, and that was a brilliant conversation. This And of course, Spendesk is growing at a phenomenal rate and it's admirable the amount of change you're creating within the, the finance office. Like just simplifying something that's traditionally seen as a, you know, as a painful chore. My congratulations and great job. And thank you so much for joining us at the podcast today. Yes, thank you for, for hosting me. It was a pleasure as well.